This episode is brought to you by Avast, global leaders in digital security for network operators. They can build a safer digital world for your customers and their families. Discover more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners. All right. Hi, this is Alan Bresnick from Light Reading. I'm here with uh, my colleague, Jeff Baumgartner. We're going to talk about uh, what happened yesterday at our Cable Next Gen Network Architectures Digital Symposium. So, hey, Jeff. Hey, Alan. How you doing? Good job uh, on day two there. Uh, yeah, so I thought we'd uh, maybe try to wrap up and, and kind of uh, uh, discuss, you know, some of the topics and things that came up. Sure. You know, and I thought, you know, we started off with Claudio Rigetti, you know, at uh, Telecom Argentina. Mm-hmm. And his whole focus was on machine learning, AI, and kind of how it's starting to factor into, you know, what they're doing in a bigger way. Right. Um, you know, I think they were talking a little bit about, you know, keeping, keeping tabs on yeah, uh, capacity demands and things like that. But uh, you know, what what was kind of some of your takeaways from Claudio's discussion? Well, what was interesting about Claudio was that he he was talking about how uh, Telecom Argentina has actually been trying these things out and actually is planning to roll out both AI and uh, machine learning and also deep learning over the next couple of years. So he was actually. Uh, talking about some of the benefits as well as some of the challenges of getting there, but it seems like they're pretty well along the way, which was uh, interesting to hear because we haven't heard a lot. We've heard a lot about what the potential benefits of these things are, but we haven't really heard about a a provider actually uh, making a lot of use of it so far. Yeah. It seemed like they were applying it in a lot of different, a lot of different areas, you know, one or two, but you know, pretty good. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. So, so good. And then, you know, the, other, the discussion with some of the, the initial panels kind of, you know, talk about uh, what's going on in the cable access network right now and right. what's not going on. Right. <laughs> like, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity all of a sudden and a lot of movement in terms of, you know, what's going to kind of happen next. You know, we talked right. about Docs 4.0, we talked about distributed access architecture, virtualization, and so forth. Um, and what I thought was interesting, um, you know, hearing it come from an operator with uh, Jeff um, Finkelstein was, you know, even though Docs is 3.1, you know, if you pair it with a, a high split or something to boost the, uh, the upstream, that, you know, it's going to get you pretty far down the road mm-hmm. uh, for a while. It gives you a lot of headroom, but you know, now is not the time to kind of put your feet up and, and relax and, right. you know, kind of investing uh, in the network, you know, and to kind of keep things going. So that doesn't sound like you know, anybody's going to be taking a break anytime soon. No, no breathers yet. Yeah, it did sound like that. In fact, that was a great line about put, not putting your feet up to relax. Jeff was talking about still going full speed ahead. Um, uh going beyond the mid splits and the high splits and all the more node splits and really preparing the networks for DOCSIS 4.0, um, even if they don't need the capacity just yet, um, because he can see it happening by the middle of the decade or beyond. And he even put in a little quick shout out for 
what the next phase of DOCSIS will be, DOCSIS 5.0, which maybe be, maybe next decade by, by the time we see that. But it's interesting just to even hear that come up in, in a conversation. Right. I think we were all saying like, we'll all be maybe retired by the time 5.0 comes into the four. Yeah, yeah. I suspect that I will be at least. Okay. Well, hopefully four. I will be too. We'll see. But uh, yeah, and then, you know, the other thing, they got into it a little bit, um, I thought, and yesterday, and that is, you know, it seems like all of a sudden remote MacFi mm -hmm. is getting a lot of, uh, it's kind of like being woven into the discussion a lot more as, you know, a near-term reality now. Because I remember right. we were talking to, people were talking about it several years ago and, you know, everyone was more, you know, the initial deployment was remote five, but um, uh, it just feels like it's building a lot of momentum, especially with cable apps putting the flexible Mac architecture specs out there. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of momentum behind and a lot, a lot more excitement about it right now. And, and the cable apps coming out with the new standard seems to be sort of the capstone that's really uh, making it, making it happen now because it was just we're just hearing a lot more talk about remote Mac Fi and the benefits of that and and how that's the ultimate goal um, and we're hearing it from the vendors too I mean we've gotten gotten a couple of briefings uh, recently that we can't talk about yet uh, from a couple of vendors that are that are, that are coming out with remote Mac Fi devices and it'll be uh, showing showing them off at SCT next week right yeah and then uh EAA, though, I mean, even though the pandemic kind of uh, slowed down some of that activity, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't appear to have uh, taken it to complete stop, right? I think, you know, Jeff, again, with Cox, you know, did provide some numbers. You know, I've been doing DAA for a few years, but uh, he did throw out some numbers, um, like 3,000 remote five devices out there serving about a million customers. I mean, that's right. to me, you know, is, you know, th that's definitely <laughs> scale, you know, that's not onesie twosies. I mean, that, that's, yeah. uh, that's kind of a big, big deployment. I thought. Yeah, so, that's a, it's a significant number. They've, and they've been doing this very quietly. I think a couple operators have been doing pretty quietly. Shaw has been doing it. Uh, Liberty global has been doing it. Um, they're just not, and I, I assume Comcast is doing it, but they're just not talking about it much yet, which is interesting. But yeah, they're getting they, they're getting it they're getting it out there. Um, on the other hand, we we're hearing forecasts. Uh, we heard a new forecast yesterday from Jamie Lenderman uh, from Omdia, who's saying that DAA has is still going slower than expected at this point, and she blamed the pandemic for that. Right. Yeah, and it was interesting to kind of get some of the feedback from the operators about that line of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. and, well, you know, of course they don't want to say, you know, they, they've that they've you know put the brakes on anything like that, but just kind of like, oh well, you know, you kind of have to reassess some things. You know, things have never truly stopped, but they definitely have slowed down during this period. I mean, that's just just right. um, And speaking of you know, Jamie, she did give us some thoughts about when Doxus 4.0 is gonna become a, a thing, a reality from a deployment right. point. You know, even though, you know, some thoughts and maybe some prototypes for 4.0 will start to surface next year, but, you know, her expectation is, was what, maybe middle of the decade? 
middle of the decade before we start seeing some real action yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's like this at least five-year window where right. are really going to uh, you know, be leaning on Doxus 3.1 and, and doing mid-splits, high-splits. And, you know, that's going to get them, uh, you know, quite a bit time down the road. So, right. uh, so it sounds like they got some time to kind of you know, figure this out for what's going to come next. Um, and, you know, even further out, you know, th there was a lot of talk about virtualization, right? Right. Even though we've got virtual CCAP, you know, is out there, but, you know, kind of virtualizing the whole network uh, seems to be, you know, further out on the horizon. Right. So, uh, you know, our gentleman from Red Hat, you know, seems to be, you know, says, you know, seeing a lot of virtual CCAP, but, you know, stuff beyond that's kind of in the, the labs and, and he's getting a lot of questions about it. Uh, and uh, Rob Wilmoth from, from Red Hat and, and Jeff Finkelstein both had something to say about that, but it's definitely still a longer term out. It, there seems to be a debate as to whether virtualization has to be part of DAA or whether it can be done separate from DAA. Is it, uh, is it, is it a, a, do they necessarily have to be joined at the hip or can you do them separately? And it seems like operators like Comcast are doing it at the same time where other operators are doing one and, and then the other, but not do it necessarily uh, joining them together. Right, and just to, from a uh, timing is everything perspective, it was interesting mm -hmm. to see Comcast kind of come out with an announcement, you know, the same day, you know, our event happened to be going on and that is, you know, they were doing this trial in Jacksonville. Uh, right. Of a milestone technical milestone toward, you know, the path to, you know, 10 G as the, the industry calls it, you know, where they're going to start doing, uh, or they're testing 1.25 gigabits per second symmetrical on HFC with a high split, uh, right. you know, up to 204, which I thought was interesting too, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're definitely in that, uh, full duplex doxis, uh, camp yet you know the initial this trial you yeah. know more traditional yeah it's interesting and that, and that was your second 10g story trial story in like two weeks right because you did a mediacom right. story two weeks earlier so there's definitely something yeah. bubbling up now with the uh, 10g trials and and action yeah. happening there yeah the mediacom thing was they had the, the 10g smartphone right it's kind of similar it was kind of like a Docs is 3.1 plus, you know, sort of uh, right. uh, approach, you know, again with, uh, you know, a high split and, uh, you know, just kind of showing, you know, hey, even with the technology that's out there today and the products out there, here's what we can do on the HFC plant. And again, so this whole 10G thing is kind of, uh, you know, being discussed now kind of step functions, you know, toward that goal so right. yeah yeah it's it's interesting because we thought before that it, that they had that operators had to go to doxus 4.0 in order to reach the mm -hmm. 10g goal but it looks now like if you like there's more and more emphasis on taking doxus 3.1 and doing some quicker and dirtier things to the plant that will get you up to 10g without having to get it totally ready for doxus 4.0 and launch doc, doxus 4.0 yeah, the way I'm kind of looking at it, it just seems like, you know, 3.1 will help get them to kind of that one gig mm -hmm. standpoint, obviously maybe you know, above that for sure. Right. Yeah, 4.0 will kind of get them to get across that 
cross that line, at least from an HFC standpoint. Right. 10G also includes fiber to the prem and, and wireless, mm -hmm. uh, kind of this agnostic uh, approach. So, uh, and then uh, speaking of wireless, there was a whole uh, keynote and panel uh, tied into um, the 5G topic, right? So, yeah. Who's with uh, Liberty Latin America now, right? So, what was what was his uh, update on, on what, what what they're doing in that area? But his message was that five G is, as he kept saying, is awesome. He thinks it's a great technology. <laughs> um, and, but after he set that uh, set that out there, he then went through all the uh, hoops and uh, that people that operators have to go through, they have to jump through in order to make five G a reality. And so we, um, and basically came down to having enough spectrum to be able to do 5G properly. And he says that a lot of operators who are doing 5G actually don't have enough spectrum to be able to do the kinds of speeds over those longer distances uh, that they that make 5G an actually superior technology of 4G. Um, so, so they have big plans, but I don't, um, especially in Latin America. But at this point, it sounds like. Uh, it's more enhancing 4G than actually going up to 5G. And then you had a panel and it was, um, I think Tim was on there as well, mm -hmm. but right. it kind of was on, uh, again, on this, this theme of you know, 5G, 5G being friend or foe to the, uh, the cable industry. And, right. and I think from a fixed wireless standpoint, yeah, I mean, it, there's some possible threats in there, but it, it just feels like, uh, you know, there's a lot more opportunity for, for the industry to support 5G either with backhaul or to actually use it yourself. Um, right. Extend the plant into some areas that uh, uh, versus having to, to build, uh, uh, you know, fiber further out or, you know, connecting mm -hmm. to a wireline network. Yeah, it may, 5G may end up being like the latest in the long list of cable threats that we've uh, uh, listed over the last 50 years. It turned out to be not so much of a threat after all. Um, definitely operators looking to make use of 5G. And we've seen even some of the smaller operators looking to do a fixed wireless. I mean, we've heard of like from uh, Shures and a couple others, smaller players. Cable One. Yeah. Cable One. And, and Charter has big plans to extend right. the, their, their reach with 5G. Uh, to areas and that shows in some of the cable operators being big bidders for the CBRS spectrum um, a month or so ago, right? And, uh, Charter, Cox, and uh, Comcast all one big uh, swaths of the spectrum. Yeah, and I think that that, you know, it just uh, kind of shows that, you know, the quote-unquote cable industry is not the same industry as it was. I mean, it, it's right. really a, uh, you know, Agnostic from the access network at some point in a lot of areas, but um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that kind of feeds into the broader network convergence story that is developing. Right. And I think you know the guy, uh, you know, the, the keynote or the cap the day. You know, we had uh, Shane Portfolio uh, with us again from Comcast and, and right. expanded on this uh, concept of, you know, one network um, uh, versus kind of looking at, oh, you have the HFC silo, you got the FTTP silo, you got 
wireless, you know, the idea is like, hey, how do you take that all together into one comprehensive uh, operational network? And right. it definitely feeds into the discussion on virtualization and, and uh, you know, trying to, you know, kind of level that out or tie it all together. Right, yeah. Uh, sure. um, Shane was focusing more on the effects on the Comcast staff and on the team, mm -hmm. but he did it. it but it did put out some interesting uh, numbers or at least percentages of how much of their plant that they have now uh, introduced virtualization to how much in terms of virtual head ends that they've introduced um, and where, where they stand with uh, a little bit with fiber deep and with DAA. So they're clearly covering large parts of their major uh, metro areas now, uh, particularly in the West. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when they when they actually will share some uh, stats on how far they've gotten with all that and what yeah. kind of benefits they're seeing. Yeah, and he also talked about like the effects of all this on you know this transformation on the workforce. You know, right. you know, mm -hmm. you know just kind of like hey, you know, there, there's you know, there's some people who you know done made incredible contributions over the years, and uh, you know maybe aren't aren't going to be you know, quite tied into this, this next phase. Uh, so you have kind of a group like that, but you have a lot of, uh, you know, people who are earlier into their career that are going to be in on this. So, uh, so, you know, it's just another, you know, the, the people aspect of, of what you're doing. It's not just all about the technology. Yeah. And it was impressive. They said that, uh, that 80% of the company's employees are, are, uh, enthusiastic about staying and, and pursuing the transformation. So that's a pretty good retention rate. Um, yeah. so, you know, the other 20% are looking to retire out at this point, but uh, right. if they're keeping keeping four-fifths of their workforce uh, who really want to do well, this next phase, that's a, that's a pretty good sign for them. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So a lot of ground covered. Yes. Right. And then, uh, you know, next week, we're going to get a, a, another heavy, heavy dose of, uh, you know, what's going on in this right. arena. with uh, uh, Cable Tech Expo, yeah. Cable Tech Expo going on, all virtual. So, uh, so you and I have to compare notes and, and try to divide and conquer next week. Sure, absolutely. I'm with you. All right. Thanks, Alan. All right. All right. Take care, Jeff. Yep, you too. Thanks to Avast for their sponsorship this week. Avast's award-winning security solutions make it easy for your customers to stay safe online, no matter how many devices they use. Learn more at avast.com partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot partners.